Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Chris Stowe. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home and as always... There's beer and soda in the fridge. Now, before we get started, uh, I want to talk to you guys about a little something that may or may not affect the future of the show for the next couple weeks. You know, I feel like (laughs) we've gone from being like, hey, the show's good, to gotta take some time off to do this, to like, we're good again, and now here I am again saying that we might have to take some time off. I'm trying my best not to. But basically what happened was this weekend, um, my backpack got removed slash stolen from somebody's car that I had left it in. And uh, this bag contained my laptop, which is what I typically record all of my episodes on and edit my episodes on and post my episodes on. Um... So yeah, I don't have a laptop right now. I'm actually recording this on my studio computer, which uh, you may or may not know this. If you've listened to a lot of episodes, you've probably heard me talk about it. But my studio computer does not have internet access. It has never touched the internet in its life, and it will not because the internet is a foul beast that ruins technology and corrupts it, and I will not have that happen to my precious studio computer because it records my music and that is important that was a little long-winded but anyways I can record episodes on here but I can't post them I do have a computer at work which means I need to record episodes here edit them here put it onto a flash drive take it to work and upload it at work until I get a new laptop which may or may not be a pain in the ass. I don't know. We'll see what happens whenever I try to upload this one. I think it'll be all right, though. Let's not dwell on what can't be changed. Moving on, my friend Pete is on the show today. And for those of you who don't know Pete, he is, I guess, basically asked him to be on the show because he plays in a band called Kid Durango. But (laughs) as things would have it, we barely even talked about his band we uh, his conversations kind of it's kind of a little all over the place but it's pretty cool you know we uh just talk about uh i don't even know i don't even know what to say i guess to be fair i'm trying to play cool but i am a little rattled about the laptop thing still i did lose a lot of money too that was in the bag and other things and i don't know Admittedly, I am distracted, and I apologize, so, you know, maybe we should just get on with the conversation. That's probably the best plan of attack. So, yeah, sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! Oh, my God. 
Hurry up just a little bit. Doesn't matter, I can fix it later. Yeah, that'll fix everything, right? Squash it. Everything. <laughs> it's going to sound like this. Squash it. Like beef. Squash the beef. Squash the beef. Oh, I've got Squash s- the beef. That's the, the, the antithesis to uh, start the beat. Is <laughs> squash the beef. And as always, <laughs> squash the beef. I've got so much beef. We just talk. We just. We, this Let's be- start with your beef. What's okay. Your beef, man. Uh, first of all, I hate people that steal laptops. <laughs> Should we preface this by saying Sykes's laptop is missing? I always do like an intro and outro, and uh, I will most likely mention it. Okay, cool. In the intro, so they know. All right, that makes me feel better. So you can preface it. So that'll happen, and then and then I will go also on record by saying uh, that has happened to me. It's the worst feeling in the world because it's like. It's your laptop. It's like so personal. I mean, like, I'm not one of those people that do that, but I know people that take it into the bathroom with them. You know what I mean? Oh, That's yeah. Like, I'm definitely not that person. Yeah. But. but you know what I'm saying? Like, people are very attached to their technology these yeah. days. And uh, I, uh, when my laptop was stolen, it was those old uh, 2008, I mean, old, but relatively speaking, 2008 white MacBooks before mm-hmm. they, before, you know how, like, back in the day, you could get, like, a real. Like, if you weren't super technologically advanced, you got the MacBook, and it was white or black. But if you were, like, the Mac dude, you'd get, like, the MacBook Pro. Yeah, yeah. I was, like, that was my dipping my foot in the pool of being, like, a Mac fanboy. So I was, like, I'm just going to get this white one. It's cheaper. It's still got the, you know, it's got the similar effect. And I loved it. It was, like, my favorite. To this day, it's my favorite computer. I hate that piece of shit, like, <laughs> MacBook Pro that I have. Okay. And uh, I, I, my uh, friend asked me to DJ her wedding. So I did, and I had um, – you use Serato, right? No. Okay, it's a DJ software, but it's like, you know, like anytime you see like a Macklemore video and Ryan Lewis is back there and he's like got a record player and it's plugged into his laptop and you're like, what? That's what that is. So I DJed her wedding, and she's like, do you want – it's very similar to your story, actually. She's like, we're going to have a bunch of the people stop at my parents' house afterward. We're going to keep this party going after they shut down the venue. Not the venue. Of course, it's a venue. Uh, the wedding hall. So we were like, yeah, let's do it. So we went back there, and she's like, hey, Pete, why don't you break out that laptop and get some music going? And I'm like, cool. So I started doing so. I had the laptop back out again. And like an idiot who maybe have, might have imbibed a little too many adult beverages. Sure. I throw the laptop in my bag, and typically what I like to do is I throw my laptop in my laptop bag, and then my laptop bag goes into my, like, uh, bike bicycle messenger bag. So it doesn't – no one really – it's a little less ambiguous, you yeah. know? Or I guess it would be ambiguous. Yeah, no one knows that there's a laptop. <laughs> Long story short, I'm walking home. This dude's come. this dude – oh, he, she lives, like, right up the street from me. Uh, her parents do anyway. And I'm walking home, and this guy, like, crosses the street. And it's, like, a fairly decent neighborhood, but I live at the base of the Hill District. So, like, there's always, like, riffraff coming in and out. Of- Not to say that anyone that lives in the, in the Hill District is riffraff, but there is there is the little bit of uh, – there's there, there's there's some, some some robbings that occur in my neighborhood. And uh, this guy comes up, and he's like, hey, man, what's going on? And I'm like, nothing. What's, what's up with you? And he's like, I'm having a bad day. And I'm like, why? This is 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, by the way. Yeah, that's – and this guy's like, uh, they found my son in the river. And I was like, <laughs> what? And I'm like staring at him, like immediately going into the like, oh my God, dude. Like I'm like blown away. And to the point where I'm completely ignoring the fact that like I have a laptop. like, And I'm like, and he's like, can you just walk with me for a second? And I'm like, what? And he's like, I just need someone to talk to. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I live in this neighborhood. So I, and I'm all, 
I have the privileged white dude mentality about things. Like, what's going to happen to me? And so I'm walking up the hill. And he's just, like, talking about, like, how messed up his life is and stuff. But then he stops talking about his son. So I'm all like, this is weird. Like, why would you tell me they find your son in a river? And now you're just talking about, like, like other things that, like, are obviously not as important to finding a dead human being in the river that was of your loins. And uh, it starts to kind of dawn on me what's happening. Like, he's walking further and further. And he keeps asking me, like, where are you going? Where are you going? So I'm like, oh, I just realized I'm drunk. It's like three or four o'clock in the morning and I'm walking with a complete stranger further and further away from my house. So I was like, I was like, oh, you know what? I just realized I got to go somewhere. So like, I like, I, I see two people smoking cigarettes. They're like in, I live in North Oakland. So there's like students around too. Cause it's like the pit campus below me and the Hill district above me. And we're getting closer and closer to the Hill district. And I walk and I see these two pit students smoking cigarettes. So I'm all like, Yo, I just realized I have I saw some people I need to go catch up with. I'll see you in a second. And, and he's like, oh, where are you going? And I was like, I got to go. And, like, I ran to go, like, hang out with the two dudes smoking. And I walk up, and I'm like, hey, is there a guy walking behind me? And they're like, no, but he's about two blocks away, and he's staring at you. And I'm like, okay. I was like, it's good talking to you. And I, like, book it around the corner. And my drunk ass is like, I'm home free. It's all good. I go home. Go to my back door, unlock my back door, throw my computer like an idiot again. Throw my fucking computer bag down on the counter of my uh, of like uh, you know the kitchen, and then uh, I've I've three dogs, and I take the dogs out, and I come back in, and and this is where it's very like resonates with your stories, like when you told me like yeah we didn't really know the laptop was gone until we were dropping everybody off, and it could that means it could have happened like five minutes before it was missing, or maybe like an hour yeah. before, like you just don't know. So the next morning I wake up and I go downstairs and at first I'm like, what did I do with that laptop case? Like I was like, it's around here somewhere. I swore I put it right on the counter and I'm like looking in the garage. I'm like thinking of all the dumb things you do when you miss your, like you like misplace your keys. And sure enough, I like put one and two together. I was like, there's footprints of dog shit that are not the size of my feet in my kitchen going right to the counter and then right back out again and then fuck that's that and, really sucks yep that's even like more intrusive because that's your home yeah it was my house yeah and then you're like this this son bitch followed me yeah back to my house and it was weird because like uh you know the police office i got you know you, you did you call the police for yeah. yours did you did they take like a report and yeah. stuff? Okay. Yeah. The police officer was like, when did you realize your laptop was missing? And I was like, Oh, it wasn't until like the next day in the afternoon. And he's like, do you think that he came in while you were walking the dogs? Do you think he came in while you were sleeping? And I was like, uh, I probably, I wanted to say he was like probably in when I was walking the dogs. Cause I left the door unlocked when I walked the dogs in my back porch, he might've snuck in that way yeah. and snuck back out. And he was like, well, did you see him? Like, did you see like the, sh we call them shit tracks because, like, the guy, like, walked in crap, walked in the house and walked back out. And uh, and I was like, he's like, did you see that go anywhere else in the house? And I was like, no. And he was like, so two, one of two things happened. You're right. And he walked in and he was like, crap, I stepped in poop. And then he was like, I, I'm going to get the heck out of here. And so, like, that was helpful because he could have gotten other stuff that was in your house. Like, the other thing that happened is you probably fell asleep. And I sleep with my door open. And he was like, do your dogs get up in the middle of the night? I'm like, yeah, constantly. Like, if someone, like, walks out in front of the house and they're just like, whoa, 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 And he's like, he probably walked in your house, grabbed the laptop, went a little further, heard the dogs barking, and ran back out. And it makes sense because the door was shut. 
most people, when they steal stuff in your house, they grab it and they run. They don't take time to shut the door because they don't know. But the door was shut. He's like, typically when people break into houses, they shut the door behind them when they try to keep something else from coming at them. He's like, so your dogs could have saved your life, theoretically. So, so that was the upside of it. But, yeah. But the downside was like all my music because I, I, it was like I, de- I was DJing. Like all my my external hard drive, all my music, all that stuff was gone. So I spent like you know the next six and a half years importing CDs back on. <laughs> That's such a bummer. So are yeah. you still living in that house? Yeah, yeah. Okay. How yeah. long have you been there then? Uh, off and on my whole life because my grandparents owned it before. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when I first moved to Pittsburgh with my mom, I mean I was like five or six, so we lived there for a little bit, and then I it wasn't until like 2011, I think that my grandfather passed away so then my family like he had a he, he had like a lot of kids he had 12 kids wow and yeah it was he's <laughs> irish catholic i don't know if you know anything about the irish catholic lifestyle <laughs> a lot but, of uh, fucking apparently a lot of fucking and no pulling out apparently <laughs> yeah i think my grandfather was the one that uh, coined the phrase my couch pulls out but i don't i don't know that made... <laughs> sorry grandpa if you hear this that was horrible and horrible taste He's like spinning in his grave, right? He doesn't care. He was in radio. He did this shit all the time. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, so he had 12 kids. So there was like no agreement for like who would get the house. But I had recently just moved back from New Orleans. So I was like, hey, I don't really have a place to live. <laughs> would you mind like letting me stay there? And they're like, yeah, cool. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of, I mean, I had to okay. buy it. So where did you grow like before you moved to Pittsburgh? Los Angeles. Okay. So LA yeah. to Pittsburgh yeah. to New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah. How long were you in New Orleans? I moved to New Orleans um, and uh, I lived there for about four years and it was like, for four years, I wasn't a part of any music. I okay. mean, I was surrounded yeah, I was gonna, by it. I was going to ask you what you were doing when you were in New Orleans. I went, no, no, no. I went uh, for a job. My job switched from, uh, I was working in a, in a laboratory, like a science laboratory for Ooh, like research. Science. Yeah. It's, it's the bane of my existence. It's like most of the time when I'm thinking about music, I should, I'm doing science stuff. But most of the time when I'm doing music stuff, I'm thinking about science stuff. I'm not sure. <laughs> and I've tried to stop this on multiple levels. When I moved to New Orleans, I was like, I'm just going to be a scientist. I'm not going to be a musician. And um, for the most part, it worked because I didn't really do any like music stuff. I wasn't in any bands or anything. Um, but uh, I started writing music a lot. And a lot of it was basically just like a response of like where I felt. Like, like New Orleans is such a weird city. First of all, I'm pretty sure it's fucking haunted. Uh, <laughs> like all of it. I'm pretty sure anytime you flood something and everything dies, like there's some bad yeah, you juju. Know, I have never had a paranormal experience in my life. Okay. I don't necessarily want one to happen to me. No, you don't. But or maybe I don't. want to experience one so I know that it's real. It would make the world a lot more interesting to me in a yeah. way. It would be frightening. Yeah. But I feel like I want that. I want to know. How? Because right now it's like you know, I hear stories. I know people have said, you know, their house is haunted or they've seen this or this has happened to them. Yeah. Nothing's ever happened to me. So yeah. it's really hard for me to be like. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want to be like, oh, I want this to be real because yeah. it's cool. It's just like, yeah. uh, if this is a thing. Then why don't I feel it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I feel a lot. I feel like that about a lot of stuff. When people go to church and they're like, oh, hallelujah. And I'm like, yeah, what like, the what, fuck is going on? What's up on? with that? Yeah. I think it's a lot of it's uh, not to like 
not to like piss on anyone's religious experience, but I think a lot of it is like it's when you're at it's in a similar fashion, like when you're at a concert and like everybody's feeling the same way about something and that energy exists and you can call it anything you want. You can call it like your, like the spirit or you can call it the, of the event or, you know, whatever or you can call it, um, you know, you can, you can just call it mass hysteria. Yeah. But, uh, are we, no, are we still, okay. Sorry. I'm for those listening, yeah. I just don't, looked at the computer yeah, screen and yeah, a big old warning. If just look, if I'm looking over, don't mind. Yeah, we're big good. old warnings. I just got to make sure it's still recording. I keep an eye on the Sykes computer phone. is smoking, ladies and gentlemen. This is how. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the a lot of the um, a lot of the exper- shared experience that people deal with, um, are are very are very like communal, and you can experience that in church, and you can experience that at a concert. Um, for better or for worse, and people do tend to seek those experiences out. That's why people go to church. That's why people go to concerts. What's weird with like haunting stuff, ghosts, is usually you're like not with anybody. It makes it worse if you are with people because the, everyone's hysterical. But when it happens to me, when it happened to me, like when I was in New Orleans, I just remember thinking like, I'm by myself. This is stupid. This is all in my head, and I still couldn't shake the feeling that somebody was in the fucking room with me. And it's like, it's not. Like, I explain it to myself, like, from a scientific point of view. I'm not sure if anybody, how in-depth you want to get into it. But your brain is made of a bunch of, like, chemical chemical and electrical signals, right? So electricity is what makes you, like, form memories, form thoughts, come up with ideas. Those are all pieces of electricity. So that's why if you stick your hand in a socket, you can't really remember anything because too much electricity goes through your brain and you short out, you know? So what I always tell myself is when I'm seeing a ghost in a place like New Orleans or something like that, or when I feel like I'm not alone, that what I'm experiencing is some electrical impulse that was put there, that was left there by somebody that lived before me, that isn't alive anymore. Maybe they still are alive, but there's just a a fraction of that electricity left in the air. I mean, you could measure that as an electrical phenomenon, something scientifically that you have a measurement for, and some weird way my neurons are picking it up. Like there's some charged particle in the air, and I'm somehow getting it in my brain. But no matter how much I tell myself that from a scientific point of view, my wiener goes inside of me. (laughs) (laughs) And all I want to do is jump out of the window. (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, this is a story I think I've shared on the podcast before. But for the sake of the conversation, I'll let you in on this. Go. This is the only thing that's ever happened to me that's weird. Okay. Um, I'm sitting in my room drawing laying on my bed drawing or whatever and there was a a nightstand we'll say similar to something like this you know but maybe not as tall and there was a cup a glass cup on top of it Uh uh-huh um sitting there drawing or whatever and i hear something that sounds like something hitting glass Uh uh-huh like something it sounds like something like fell into the cup yeah like, like change or something like what the fuck is that yeah and i got up and there was two quarters inside the glass what? And there were no two quarters there before. There's no, yeah, there was nowhere they would have fallen from or anything. How? And that's it. That's the only thing that's ever happened to me. And that's like, is that, I don't, I don't know. But it definitely happened. Do you think it was Matthew McConaughey trying to contact you <laughs> from Interstellar? Like from, did you see the movie? No. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. I didn't ruin Interstellar for Sykes. <laughs> Sorry if I, anyone else saw the movie. I probably won't see it. Good. But um, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but you're in New Orleans. 
Yeah. So doing science. Doing and he science. Started writing stuff. music. Yeah, writing music. And, and you're and pretty I'll, sure it's haunted. And I'm pretty sure it's haunted. And I mean, that's like one aspect of like how I felt down there. The other thing is like the, everyone's like, oh man, that must have been so great as a musician to live in New Orleans because you're just around all this music. But like for the most part, most New Orleans music is like so traditional. It's like even if it's not traditional, it's traditional because that's what people seek out in New Orleans. Like so, the story is. Uh, as it as as it goes, <laughs> is um, a lot of the jazz that comes out of New Orleans is like from musicians that a can't read music and b don't have like a formal training. And the thought was was the the whole concept of jazz was like um, like poor black slaves picked up um, horns and drums that were left by uh, battle brigades because you know like when you would go into battle like around the civil war time and era like they had the the marching bands that would keep you in pace with each other well obviously you got two marching bands two enter a field one leaves i'm pretty sure they're not worried about the other guy's broken horn and drums that they just killed Uh so they left those behind so a lot of the uh, the the very the rudimentary uh, concepts of the jazz music, traditional jazz music, was like a, from an uneducated point of view, but it was also from like a hey, this is the, this is what we have to make music. Let's do it. Yeah, and like then, uneducated but passionate. Exactly, and then like a lot of Afro-Cuban influences were in, involved. I mean, like a lot of that stuff. A lot of music before jazz was in three, because that's kind of how we like that was like the kings. You know, that was like that. A lot of the classical representation of music was in you know three four. You know that that pattern, and and a lot of the rhythms that are in jazz are not in three if they are in three they're not in three for very long um and 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 that kind of that's the birthplace a lot of people say like new orleans is very similar to the birthplace of jazz because that existed you had the poor people and 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 you had the ability to create something from nothing which closely enough resembles another form of hip-hop another form of music called hip-hop but we'll get back to that later um or or not that'll be the next (laughs) podcast but anyway so like so then, but then you also had the influence of like it's a port city. So you had all these sailors that were like at sea forever. And what do they? What do you want to do when you're at sea for like six months at a time? And you actually hit like a dock. You want to tie one on, you know? So you got like this like revelry, and you have these a bit this, these people that are like playing a new form of music, and you, you know it, it kind of culminated to what we consider like New Orleans jazz. That's the story at least. But not a whole lot, in my opinion, has happened since then because. I mean, like, I go down there, and even when I see, like, a rock band, there's a fucking horn player in that band. And it's just, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, after three years, I'm like, if I hear another goddamn horn solo in what could have been a pretty decent grunge song, (laughs) I'm going to stab myself in the eye and swirl it around. So... So that was the other part is like writing music based off of feeling like I was in a haunted environment, but also like if there is another like a stale environment, a stale environment. Yeah. I mean, because the other thing is like people go to New Orleans here. You can't fault New Orleans for that. That's what they do. And they've done it better than anybody else. And they're the pioneers of that. It's like if you go to an African Bombada concert and you ask them to play Fetty Wap, they're going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that, that's not what they do. And you shouldn't, t- and that's disrespectful to ask them to do something like that. Even if that's what's hot right now, that's not what they do. So I, I, I don't have a problem with that, but it was definitely like not what I, not like my first choice in music, I guess. I like the exposure to it, definitely. But I don't, I don't go home and like listen to Trombone Shorty or, you know, like, uh, like Louis Armstrong's great, you know, but I don't. I don't necessarily listen to that when I'm uh, when there's a Slipknot Slipknot CD on my dashboard. <laughs> I don't listen to that shit when Slipknot exists. Yeah, exactly. We've already evolved. It's called Slipknot. 
All right, so um, you get back to Pittsburgh. Yep. So, so here's an interesting. This is gonna make me sound like a total fucking hater, but um, it's part it's part of the story, so I'm gonna tell it. So one of the fellows I was in uh, a band with previously, like um, when we when I moved down to New Orleans, we kind of had a little friction in terms of like what we wanted to do with the band. And this is on some really lame third grade MySpace shit. But he's like, I want to do it this way, and I don't want to be in a band with you anymore. And I'm like. I'm not a girlfriend you can just break up with. You know, like, we write music together. This isn't, like, a relationship. This isn't that kind of relationship where it's like, I don't want to see you naked anymore. It's like, we wrote records together, bitch. You know? It's kind of how I felt mm -hmm. at the time. It's like having a kid. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we just, we're, like, we're going to make this work. <laughs> I didn't feel that way exactly. <laughs> but very similar. It was more like that. It was more like you create something with somebody, and then they're like, I don't want to do it with you anymore. And you're like, fine. But you're still, like, you're not going to still say that you're, you can't say that you're, like, a family. You know, like, you can't be, like, you can't just keep telling people that you're a family when you've broken up. So I think his intention was to keep the name because at the time MySpace was still pretty big. It was And like you had a good good Kid Durango following? Yeah, I mean, like, it was probably a bunch of 13-year-olds that were about to graduate. High, I mean, like, whatever, like, 16-year-olds are about to uh -huh. graduate high school and not ever give a shit about us ever again. Yeah, but yeah, at yeah, the yeah. time, it felt like it was popping. So I was, like... You know, it was one of those conversations where I'm like, we're we're gonna work this out one way or the other, but you're gonna have to wait till I get back from New Orleans to figure this out what's happening. And it's kinda like, You're in New Orleans, what do you what do you want me to do? And it's like, dude, it's not like we're on tour. Like you could just give it a week, like I'll be back, whatever. And um and uh it kinda dissolved from there. They uh I ended up hastily locking him out of the MySpace page just to like F you, you know what I mean? Like I said, I got beef. I got beef. Yeah, and you did, uh, at the beginning you said beef. Yep, it's I got coming beef. out. So I locked him out. But uh, this is squash the beef. This is so, squash the beef. So does the beef get squashed? It. I. I feel like the beef got stale and thrown out. Is kind of <laughs> how I. Feel. I feel like nobody really cares about the beef anymore. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, I'm like, I at this point it's like 2000. I don't know. It's like 2009, and no one gives a shit about MySpace anymore. And. This this guy goes off to make his own band. But here's the thing. No, the beef was not squashed because his the name of his band was just like a direct like F you to like my to like Kid Durango. So like should should I even like should I do like a Nicki Minaj like call out like right now? Yeah, do it. What, yeah, yeah, fuck it. What's good, Miley? No. Um so 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 the band's name was called Mace Ballard, which okay. I think you've heard of. Yeah. And um and that's like that's like literally like if you go through the Durango Kid, which is the movie we named the Kid Durango Kid Durango off of. Mace Ballard is like the bad guy. Oh really? Yeah, and it was like on some like like some real stupid like huh. middle school bitch fight shit. And I remember thinking like I'm like in New Orleans like listening to fucking horns twenty four seven, and I'm like, you really just did that? That's how that's how it's gonna be. That's how it's gonna be. Y'all got beef? So like, I that's came. kind of like adorable though. It's cute. It's yeah. like fuzzy cute. Yeah. Like you pet it. Like, yeah. Oh, totally. Like looking back on it, I just like started laughing. <laughs> Why were you even mad about that? I just <laughs> like that's fucking the fact that you could if anybody like music's supposed to make you feel something. If you made one person I feel. I think I know some of the people in that band. Yeah. I don't really know anybody except for the singer, Chris, because he, he was in my band. Okay. But I think, I think like, uh, what's good, Chris? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm not. But, uh, I think, you know, when you're in a band with somebody and you make music and then you kind of have that kind of falling out, 
the stuff that you always put up with when you were like, it's like a roommate. Like the shit you put up with with your roommate when you move out of your house, you realize at the end you're like, fuck you, you never cleaned up your dishes. So like that sort of became my drive when I came back to Pittsburgh. I was like, I should start a new band. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not starting a new band. I'm keeping the same name. Because <laughs> there's another name out there that's talking shit on my name. Early. So So have you two ever played a show together? No. We played the last show. I played a show with this guitar player who said like zero words to me. Uh, which I'm not sure if that's because of it or he's just awkward or I'm just no one likes to talk to me at shows because I'm a blowhard. But either way, um, he never said anything to me. I literally like you know we were talking earlier about bullying. Like I, I it's like a misnomer because I'm always like, yeah, we call them bullies. Like I don't really hate bullies actually. I'm the kind of person that's like, like I'm a little old school, you know, being raised by my grandparents. Like I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, bullies. They're kind of invaluable in certain cases if they don't truncate your ability to proceed and, and create. Like like the bullies that when you were writing me when you were doing like graffiti like those guys suck because if they stop you from doing something then that needs to put that you need to put it in. But I think for me like bullies push me. Like I got bullied in school my whole entire life. I was like a short fat redhead kid, you know, um, and I talked a lot. And so like no one likes that, and bullies especially don't because it's such an easy target. But for me it's like. I feel like if I could go back in time and like hug those people, I would because it's like you taught me so much. Like now, you know, like in anything in like a professional career in science or like in music, it's like I can spot a bully a mile away. I'm like, you're a bully. I know you're a bully. And I'm going to either use that energy against you to create something even better or I'm just going to not even dignify you or response and let that energy burn itself out because those are the two ways you can deal with a bully i think a lot of people go out of control when they're like that's a bully and that will not be like that will not be tolerated like i cyber bully the fuck out of mace ballard <laughs> like <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do <laughs> if anyone at mace ballard is listening right now i wouldn't talk shit on you if i didn't think you weren't capable of doing better <laughs> that just happened and the re right. the reality is is the reality is is like I came back to Pittsburgh. I like I was like I'm gonna write some music. We're gonna see how this goes. And um, it's a reaction to like living somewhere where you're haunt like feeling like like you're being haunted and feeling like kind of isolated. But in addition to that, it's like a reaction to like speak up, like say stuff. You know, like my like the the last record we did is called Ha Ha Hater. Uh, Kidringabankcamp.com, ha ha hater EP. Uh, it's basically it's a response to like like you know like there's too much go. I feel like personally like in terms of creating music and writing art, there's too much going on with people that are like, yeah man, that's cool, that's cool. All right, right on man, it's cool. And and no one really like addresses certain things that like maybe you have an issue with. Maybe some things need to be brought to light. Maybe you do need to call somebody out. You know all that stuff. Like I feel like that's. Like, I feel like that's an integral part of art that's being ignored because I think everyone's too afraid of being chastised as a result. Like, they're going to say, they're like, if I say something negative to this guy, then he's going to, like, maybe not book me for a show. Or if I call this band out, well, then all his friends are going to say how bad my band is or something like that. But, like, part of art is starting that talk, that communication and being able to, like, improve on that stuff, you know? I mean, like, that's, that's as real as you're ever going to get in terms of art, or at least for me. So, yeah, like, I had no problem when I came back to Pittsburgh keeping the name, like talking shit. Yeah. You know. I think it's it's cool because a lot of people who I talk to that do music, music is like what they've done. 
Right. And that's it. And they don't have much of a life outside of music. But you do. And it seems like you've lived a lot outside of just playing in bands. Yeah. And you have an other things that you do and other things that you enjoy. You have world experiences. Well, that's not to and say I that... that... It's like, it just, it adds to, like, your character and what you can bring into the your music as a person. Right. Rather than someone that's just, like... The worst thing that's ever happened to them is like some girl broke up with them. Yeah. Or the best thing that's ever happened is being on tour, man. Yeah. That's the life. And then that's like all they have to ever fucking with talk my about. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to Matt Very about that. Uh podcast number nine. If for those of you that want to know more about Matt Very. I think and it was we, four. Oh, okay, fine. Four. Whatever. <laughs> you guys peaked at number one, by the way. Like that first podcast, yeah. the first time I heard it. What was that guy's with name? Josh. Oh, I mean, like, two seconds into the freaking podcast, you're talking about, like, pooping in people's mouths. Uh, yeah, if anyone's what? listening, go back and listen to that. No, I'll tell you what. I, um, when I was, he was, it was a dummy episode, because that was the first one I ever recorded. Yeah. And my original idea, um, I've never actually said this on the podcast. Ooh. But. Exclusive. The original idea of the podcast was I wanted to do a show called My First Time. Oh, that's why you were like, the theme is our first time. And I wanted to do that with every guest. Yeah. But then I decided not to. Yeah. That's so weird. That's undetectable. It was like going through your discography of podcasts. I remember thinking like, this guy really thought this out. Like he's gotten better at interviewing people. Not to say you were ever bad, but you've gotten better at interviewing people throughout the course of how many episodes is this? Like 60 now? 70? Yeah, yeah. We're, I just, 60 just went up the like You've gotten better at interviewing, but the format's pretty similar in all cases. They've all been like, okay, let's talk about you. Okay, now how did you end up with that? Like, it's a very, I mean, it's very specifically, I, I was thinking like from the jump, that was what you wanted to do. And now you're telling me it's a sham? Well, I mean, there was just a sham? The, 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 uh, the episode with Josh was that. That was that one. Oh. That's such a good episode. Shout out to Josh. I know I've said like six words to you in person, but uh, I feel like I'm your like roommate. That's how well I know you <laughs> after that hour. No, I do. I, I do really like that episode a lot. It's such a good episode. <laughs> Listen to it, everybody. Um, but anyway, to get back to what you were saying, like, it, it it's not to say that like, oh, I've had a life. I've lived through the world, through the eyes of a, of a of a you know of a mature adult like it's not oh, sure that's not what i'm saying people in bands have the same they, they might have different experiences but they have they have the same opportunities that i've been afforded to take in the world and learn things and i don't i am not like if you if you've t- i've never toured the world you know i've never toured most of the united states you know like i think i think the furthest i've ever gotten is chicago so like in a band so like there's definite experiences that i've never had from that that venue my professional career has taken me further than my musical endeavors. But at the same time, that doesn't, that doesn't put anybody at a disadvantage on e- either side of that spectrum. And um, it's funny because, like, I was hanging out with Matt Vary, who's episode four on your podcast. And he was telling me, like, you know, he was like, yeah, like, a lot of people, like, I think, I think that the conversation was kind of based around, like, yeah, you tour. It's such a great experience. But you realize in the end it's, like, What's what's the take home message, you know? But but for me, for, and I think the, the, like the, like basically what we agreed on is like they're just fun fucking times. Like when you do it and it goes well, 
And there's no better experience if you're thinking about being in a band, if you if you want to make music, like there's no better experience than like doing that with people that you're cool with and that you are creatively in tune with and you get to do it anywhere. Even if it's to like three, four people in a room. I played shows like that. I think everyone's played shows like yeah. that. But you've you've been able to say like, you know, that moment, you know, like that was that's so important. I think to experience in, in in the world, and there's nothing that can replace living in New Orleans for four years does not replace that feeling, um, and that's like that's that I'm just saying that because I don't want to disparage the fact that like a lot of people are like that's all I do. Well, you're telling me like you know yeah I've done all this other weird shit on the side, but it doesn't disparage anyone's experiences in life one way or the other. Oh sure, it's yeah. just that I've talked to a lot of people who are in bands. Yeah, and. It's just it's interesting talking to you because you very rarely talk. Anytime we do talk, yeah. very rarely is it about your band or music stuff. It's just always on some other shit, which is fine. Yeah. It's just cool that you always have something else to say or talk about. Yeah, I just I feel like music should speak for itself in a weird way. It's like, you know, if you were like, come on the podcast and sing a song, then that's going to be, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, it's like if you're ta- like you can talk about music, but the best way to experience music is to hear music, you know, like and, and, and like uh, I don't. I'm not a big fan of shame, shameless promotion. I know that's essential. I know if you want to go somewhere, you literally have to ram your your music and your brand and your product down people's throats, and that's that's probably a lot to do with why like I'm not like. Well, doing... yeah, I I've been in your shoes for yeah. sure. Um, it's just I think that there used to be a time where it was easy to post on the internet too much. Yeah, but I don't think it's like that anymore because yeah. everybody posts on the internet too much. Yeah. So that doesn't make it right. <laughs> like, but it's a, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you want to yeah, with the eagle, we better learn how to fly. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You fuck with the bull, you're going to get the horns. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but similar. You're right. I think, I think, uh, I think there is a point where you do need to just kind of like put up or shut up. Like this is what you're passionate about. Why wouldn't you be excited to show people it and, and tell people about your music? Um, but like my my experience with that stuff has always been like 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 rap. I feel like we always come back to rap, which is so weird because I don't write rap music. But like it's such a pinnacle kind of like ex- exemplary point of art. You know, if you believe rap is art, and I do. You know, you look at like you know like when rap was at its quote unquote golden era, like in that like '90s point. Like 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 Tupac would release records like. You know, like Tupacalypse Now, people spent years listening to that record before the next one came out. And they were happy with that because there was so much they, they had to reach for that record. when they And then when they got it, they stuck with it. And now how often is it the opposite? Like it's rammed down your throat, good, bad or ugly. You're you're done with it before you can even process that information. And for me, if you know, and that's fine. Like I realized at some point, like, you know, I, I realized a while ago, I was never going to like live off of music it's not going to stop me from doing it because i think it's important but at the same time it's like you know you you have to understand that like if you really want to make a difference if you want to make somebody care about your music in a weird way you're going to have to make them reach for it and i don't have the answer as to how that's going to work in today's society but i'm just saying like for me to ram it down somebody's throat i think is is kind of like even though it's par for the course it's like it's it's reducing the value of what you've done because you're literally just all like, here, I've already recorded it. I've already made it. Now I'm going to make you listen to it. Now I'm going to put the earbuds in your ears and turn the music up. And you're like, well, what the fuck? I mean, that's devaluing your work in a weird way. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like saying like, 
I mean, I'm sure it happens, but like, it's like if you're trying to sell somebody a car, it's like, I'm going to drive the car to your house, park it in front of your car, put the keys in your pocket, and then walk you to the car and make you start it. You're like, well, now no one's got to do anything. That, that There's no value to that. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, and I don't know. I know it's not working. I know it's not working for me, but I don't know how to reconcile the difference between making somebody work for something that you suffered for. Or just ramming it down their throat and having them just fucking shit it out and on to the next thing a second later. You know what I mean? Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Like that's really neat. You that's see what a really I'm fucking good point. Yeah. But like it's, it's like, I I love Tupac. It took me a really long time to get into Tupac because I was like, you are so angry, and I've I've there's no way I'm ever gonna like living in L.A. I never went like. I, South Central LA was so off limits because it was a fucking war zone. It was like it wasn't like you could get shot. It was like mm, they're gonna look for you if you go down there. And I remember like, well, that that was the fear. I don't know if that actually happened because as the white dude, the white male with privilege, I was told that. And yeah. like in so many instances in our world, you're told those things and you just take it for granted because I don't want to get shot over trying to find out if you're right or not. But when I finally figured out what Tupac was saying. I remember how profound, like, you know, like, uh, I see no changes. All I see is racist faces. Displaced hate brings disgrace to our nation. You're like, again, it's just like the, it's like the Slipknot lyric. It's just like, prof- like profoundly empirical, but it, it says so much. And, it, and if you actually think about it, it makes you feel some way. And what have we replaced that with? You know, like, baby, come around my way. Got something I want to say. I'm not saying that song isn't fucking popping. It won't make it won't stop me from dancing, but at the same time, I'm not gonna go home and think about it. Like you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And 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 like with that 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 era when that music came out, people were reaching for that because not only was it a representation of like what was happening in the culture, it was a way people were learning about it. You know, like your culture's not my culture. How do I learn about that? I'm gonna go figure this out. I'm gonna go find the closest thing to do other than walk through the streets of L.A. is listen to me against the world. You know what I mean? And that was a way that people learned about each other and stuff like that. But they they had to they had to. They had to go to the record store. They had to buy the record. They had to like go to the concert. They had to put themselves out of their comfort zone to experience that type of art. And it, in my, at least in my life, it made it a richer experience for me. Like when I went to L, like I went to New Orleans. I was scared as shit. I was living really damn close to like a lot of places where people like got shot. You know, like all the time. When I, when I moved into my apartment. The people across the street, before I signed the lease, there was, like, two people living there. One had graduated college. One was in law school. And I was like, okay, we're, like, somewhat in the same age group. We all, like, have professional, and like, ambitions. Like, I feel like I'm safe here. And they're, like, and, like, they're talking about, like, what the rent is and everything like that. And I just hear, like, let me back in, like, outside. And I'm, like, uh, bitch, let me back in. And I'm, like, uh, and I look and they're, like, want to see <laughs> and I was like, kinda. And I walk out, and it's a couple, like, like the whitest, tr- like buck wild couple, like white, like white trash New Orleans, like. And they're like having this knockdown drag out fight. He's beating on her. She's beating on him. Nothing cool about this situation. And um, she's got no. I remember thinking like, man, she's just running around with black panties. Like out in the uh, in the street, and then the dude who I ended up being in my room was like, "Those aren't panties, man." And I was like, oh, "She has no underwear on. That is all hair. Oh my god, this is the worst experience ever." 
And you know who gave her the phone to call the cops to stop everybody? Our next door neighbors who are like literally like from the lower ninth ward, like they they rode Katrina out, like you know, like typical, like what you when you turned on that like George Bush doesn't give a shit about black people, that's the people that you knew that he wasn't giving a shit about. Those were the guys that were there. And I remember the experience thinking like, like, man, I'm glad I'm glad Tupac gave me the strength to like come down here and realize I should see it for myself before I pass judgment. And I lived I lived I lived in that neighborhood for like I lived in that neighborhood for like two years and uh there was lots of crazy shit like that. But it was like it was like it was like my willingness to want to experience it, you know, and, and yeah. that and, and if I was like some scared white kid from like, you know, wherever, I'd have never done that. You know? If someone would have been force feeding me shit my whole entire life and told me what was safe and what wasn't safe and I never reached for anything, I never would have even considered to live in that in that neighborhood and even and, and like have that but like, you know, like I was like, Hey man, like I I know what a zip is. Like I, I've seen like I've seen guns in real life. I'm gonna like I'm like I knew I wasn't safe a hundred percent, but I also knew that like there's not necessarily like this this overarching fear that I think a lot of my my like a, a lot of my other contemporaries were like I want to live down there, you know. And I think the difference why because they grew up on like the Spice Girls and they were listening to whatever the radio was playing. And I think that what played a large part in it for me was like I was like I'm gonna go out of my way. I'm gonna listen to something that's like. I don't know if I can identify with. I don't think these people are like I, again. I'm like a white dude. You know what I mean? I'm about as privileged as you're ever gonna get. And for me, like, to just get put outside of my comfort zone in a weird way to be like, okay, let me listen to what Tupac's saying. And then like after the whole Tupac thing, it was like, well, what else is there? And like, you know, like you get to a point where you're like, you know, you're listening to like some weird Southern rap music, and you're just kind of like, okay, I think I have an idea of what. inkling of an idea of what the south is like so now i'm a little more comfortable moving into like a ghetto in new a post-katrina ghetto in new orleans i'm not saying it was like perfect for me you know and i'm i probably felt a little bit more scared than i should have but at least i was able to do it based off of that music you know Mm -hmm. a large part of it so i know that's a really long-winded way of saying rap is good (laughs) (laughs) well like what's uh in the future for you and music just like doing it whenever you have time for it fuck it let's Uh, do it or do you want to do it more seriously or do you like what's going on i'm i'm always serious about it like i i definitely i like i think you know like i think uh i think it's not worth doing unless you're serious and it's not you know but the problem is with making music like that you, you gotta bleed a little you know what i mean you can't you can't just be like, I'm shitting out, like, you know, I'm going to shit out another record. I just made a record, but I got to shit out another one. And, and you know, you, you, you like, you have to work for it. Yeah. I have a, a vendetta somewhat against prolific musicians. Yeah. Right. It's like, I feel that it's awesome if an artist that I like is giving me a new album every year. Yeah. But also, it's really easy for me to notice, like... There's no like like the heart seems to kind of be Go. stripped away with each one of these releases because yep. it's like saluting. I know what this is like. You yep. know, it takes me a year or two to just get songs together for yep. a release, and then you know another year to put this thing together. Yep. Granted, I'm you know I'm balancing this between you know a full time job and other yeah. social obligations. I'm not like paid to do this. And you're so DIY. Like you are like 
I think just from my perspective of looking outside, like that, you and Matt are so close, but not because you guys make anywhere near the same. I know you guys have been in the same bands, but like you guys are so similar in a sense that you're like, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to look into how to do it right. And that takes so much fucking time. You can't just like snap your fingers and be like, here's a beat, you know, any more than like, you know, Matt can snap his fingers and create a freaking music studio. It just doesn't work that way. You can put a laptop up and you can record your friend. It's going to sound like shit. You can make a beat on GarageBand in probably 20 seconds. It's going to sound like shit. You see what I'm saying? Like you need to take the time to put in the effort, to bleed, to learn all those things. And I have a vendetta. I'm, I'm just like you. I have a vendetta against um, like people that just kind of shit music out because like in a weird way, it's like I was talking to your roommate about this. Prez, for those of you uh, not on a podcast yet, <laughs> uh, Prez was saying, he was like, he was like, yeah, it's like the new music that comes out. I like don't know the infatuation sometimes. Like people just get really into it. And I'm like, well, they're in it for like a real quick amount of time. And and what I'm, I'm pretty sure the way music has kind of turned itself into is like, it's like a new pair of shoes. You know, it's like a lot of times you notice someone's shoes, whether or not you like them or not, if they're just new and shiny. You can put on a pair of like shitty fucking day glow green Keds and someone's going to be like, oh, cool shoes. But they don't really want to wear your shoes. They don't appreciate the shoes. They're just saying, I noticed those. And in a world where music comes out constantly, you're constantly being inundated. That's the name of the game. Get somebody's attention. Don't make something good. Get their attention. Yeah. But that's fucking shitty. That's not how I listen to music. You know I, had, what I, mean? I had a conversation at the bar um, with someone who was sitting next to me that just started talking to me. Like, you know, like, oh, like, what are you here for? I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm playing a show upstairs. Like, oh, what kind of kind of stuff do you do? It was um, like rock or something like that. Like, right. no, I actually do like a hip hop thing. He's like, oh, he's like, it's like talking to me about like hip hop and shit and asking yeah. me about like, like, do you ever put out any albums or anything? I'm like, oh, yeah, like I'm finishing up an album now. Yeah. He's like, like, how many tracks do you got? And I'm like, ten. He's like, yeah. 10 tracks? That's not an album. Like, what? <laughs> like, 10 tracks? I'm like, it's like it's funny to hear that that mindset. Like, the idea of how many number of songs is on an album justifies the release. Right. Versus a world that's, like, single culture. Like, people right. don't listen to full albums anymore. They right. just want to hear singles. Yep. But I've heard this happen more than once. Um in conversations with other people I know who were putting out albums. Somebody I knew who was posted a Facebook status like, hey, I'm getting ready to write for a new album. Do you think I should aim for like 15 tracks or maybe closer to 20? And it's just like, yeah, I was like, it doesn't matter how many fucking songs you write. Yeah. Write however many songs are good. And then right. like if that then then it's done. Yeah. Then put it out. You know, like, yeah, I would much rather put out an album with 10 songs that are fucking solid right. versus an album with 15 and five of them are filler. Right. It's like, no, I want somebody to listen to that thing start to finish. Yeah. Like, this is good. Yep. Yeah. But how often is it the opposite where they're like, oh, you don't like track one? Maybe you like track two. You don't like track two? Maybe you like track three. And then you have like, <laughs> then you have like melancholy and the infinite sadness in rap form like you're like that could have been a really good one, one record oh yeah and yeah. you're like you know what i'm saying for those of you that don't know melancholy infinite sadness is a follow-up record by the smashing pumpkins and it was two discs and it was like super touted as like the biggest muse like musical event ever and when you actually sit down and listen to it you're like this could have been one really good record but two cds is retarded like why would you you know what i mean yeah and and it's like 
that's that's where we're at. It's like you don't like track one, maybe you like track two. It's not for everyone. We like everything. The music is so democratized. I guess is the word. Everyone's like, vote on track one, vote on track two. My problem is that I'm so when I think of an album, it's like I'm painting a full picture, right? And I want this whole thing to be very cohesive with each other. Yeah, have a similar sound, feel, theme. I you know, yeah, definitely like arcs, like you know, like. Here's an up-tempo song. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, here's a slow song. Here's the weird one, but it's all the same fucking thing. Yeah. It's like, I want to make an album, not a collection of songs. Yep. Yeah, you don't want a playlist. You want a work of an, a work of art. You want an album. You want to tell a story. And that's not... I think a lot of people's minds are there. I think eventually people's minds will go back there just because, I mean, that's kind of... To me, like, when people started dubbing music off of records on, like, when the cassette tape came out, that was, like, the informal version of, like, like a Spotify playlist or an iPod <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I mean, people eventually, you know, like, when you start, people were burning CDs. Eventually, people, I mean, consumers oh, yeah. did go back to, like, I'm going to pick up this album. But it's got to be good. It's got to be worth somebody's attention. You can't. You know, and now more than ever, because your attention is so fractioned into so like infants, you know, like <laughs> a quote in like basketballs. He's like, kids today have an attention span that can be measured in nanoseconds. Yeah. And that's how I feel. It's like you've got to make it really good because you get a nanosecond. And if you if you fuck up that first nanosecond, like then then they're not even going to think about not 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 track two like the the next 30 seconds of that first song. So, uh, go ahead. It's funny how impressions last on people. There are still people who I run into, like, hey, are you still doing music stuff? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I am. You got a problem with that? <laughs> no, but it's just, like, people that don't know. Like, even yeah. people that I know I'm friends with on social media. They have no idea. And it's just, like, you know, whether they have stopped following me yeah. or things that I'm posting are being suppressed through Facebook's weird algorithms. Yeah. Or yep. they're just scrolling looking for whatever you know, they're looking a for. A picture of a cute girl yeah. or a fucking meme and just blowing past my ugly face. Like, <laughs> your face is not ugly, Brian. <laughs> You've got to put that behind you. I don't know who hurt you. <laughs> Give me her number. What's her name? Who I will call her now and tell her that she was wrong and that she owes you an apology. You guys did a really good job with your uh, cover art. Do you find that having a girl in your band has helped you with that issue that you just talked about? Um, I don't know. I don't know yet. Like a little bit of sex appeal, perhaps? A little bit. Like people are like, oh, this band's got a girl. I'm, I'm going to stick around for them. Yeah, I think it's it's neat. It's like a gimmick's not the right word. But it's not a gimmick because she can sing. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 something different. I like that. I like the contrast. Yeah. I feel that without her, yeah, it would be too abrasive. Yeah, at times. Yeah, I feel like she's able to balance things out. Like I can go, I could push things to the edge, mm -hmm. but then she's right behind me yeah. and like smooths it out. She's a you know? fluffy. Yeah, when I saw you guys at the rock room and you didn't have a drummer, and uh, by the way, I like that sound. I like the broken shit oh, yeah, music yeah. sound <laughs> but like she was like a nice warm fluffy cloud of like of like harmony in a weird way i guess melody because it wasn't like she was harmonizing with herself because just her but she was like she was like she was a nice fluffy cloud of melody uh -huh. and it really yeah it was the same thing it was like you know it was like you're the crunchy peanuts and she's the smooth peanut butter <laughs> in a in a sykes and the new violence peanut butter and jelly sandwich. we have a girl bass player in my band that's the only reason why i ask because like 
I can't tell you how many freaking shows we've been to, and like, they're like, "Are you the guys with the girl in your band?" Oh yeah, I saw you guys. You're good. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if that's the preface for being good. Like, you know, like that's been a thing for so long though. Yeah, for like decades. Like, oh yeah, the band has the, the girl, girl bass player. Band. Yeah, girl this, bass players were a thing. Yeah, smashing, smashing pumpkins. pumpkins. Yes, <laughs> dude. White zombie. White zombie. Well, we need to say them both at the same time. <laughs> Shit, I can't think of. It. I'm blanking now. A uh, hole. I mean, everybody oh, yeah. in holes a girl basically, except for their drummer. I think yeah. Thurston Moore was the guitar player, so I guess Kim was the bass player, or was it the other way around? Sonic Youth. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, he played guitar. Okay. Yeah. So she was the bass player, or I think so. Yeah. But um. That's just, it's cool. It's like, you know what it's like? It's like a unicorn. It's like, oh man, I've heard about them, but I it's didn't so know. It's so weird, you know? It's, I always, it's like, oh wow, there's a girl in a band. It's like, there's been girls in bands forever. Forever. And it's like, I have no problem saying shit like this. It's like, sometimes I still get the like, how does it feel to be a white rapper thing? Yeah. It's like. For me, it's like, okay, I know where hip-hop came from, but mm-hmm. there's also been white people in hip-hop. For a while. Since, pretty much since the birth. Yeah. Not too long after. Yeah. White people in rap is not a new thing. Nope. They have been in it. It's not it's, just, it's not white and black. There's it, Asians, like, there's, there's like, uh, Filipino rappers. Uh, Big Pun is like, he's Puerto Rican, for crying out loud. And he came from a long line of Puerto Rican rappers. I mean, like, he wasn't born, his dad wasn't an MC, but like, he came up in that you know that it it just it it irks me you know it's like like, you don't fit this stereotype that doesn't really even exist it just outside of my brain like you don't you don't you don't fit a stereotype that exists only in my brain how do you feel about that you're like what the fuck did you just ask me (laughs) (laughs) like you know what i mean like yeah you're not what i assumed you would be even though i haven't given it any thought how does that make you feel? <laughs> it makes you feel like I'm talking to a fucking idiot. That's what it makes me feel like. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, we should wrap up. Yeah, sorry, but this has gone like this is a four hour podcast. Yeah. No, that's good. I was just keeping an eye out because I have a What's his name coming after me? Yeah, and he should be here already, but he's not here. That's fine. So I was just letting it go. Just like, oh, make me I, feel like I, I'm I, the only one for just lie to me. Sykes. <laughs> Damn. God. Nah, we're good. Can I um, s- go ahead? I was just going to say, like, though, thanks for coming over. If you have some shit to say, you should say it. Hey, uh, Radio, what's up? What's good, Radio Land? Um, Kid Durango. You can check me out on Bandcamp, us out on Bandcamp, because it's a band on Bandcamp. Uh, Google Kid Durango if you need to get on Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr or any of that good stuff. Um, show coming up, Player Productions. It is on September, or I'm sorry, October. Shout out to Donald, pod- podcast friend, podcast podcast alumnus. Uh, I should have had this all worked up. Wait, we're gonna. I mean, I could link it. You know, you're gonna update. Oh no, no, no I got it. It's uh, <laughs> I should know this way more. I do oh. edit the episodes. Okay, cool. That. Yeah. So, <laughs> so fuck me. This is so bad. Oh, while I'm while I'm loading this up. Okay, yeah. Saturday, October seventeenth at Club Cafe with Tiny Sills, a Silver Lining, Northern Gold, and myself. Uh, come on down. I think I might come to that. Yeah, you can say hi to Donald. I will. Podcast alumnus number. 
I don't know what number Donald was. Yeah, I remember you guys talked about uh, anime. And then um, <laughs> a lot. I remember because I was like, <laughs> I have no idea what they're talking about. But, uh, yeah, and then I guess the the only other thing I was going to say and was... And also Northern Gold have been on the show. Really? Yes. I have to check that out. I thought, And here I thought I knew every one of your artists, guests, intimately. And I need to go check out Northern Gold. I haven't seen them yet, so... They're awesome. Are they? Yeah. I'll check them out. Um, can I say there's beer and soda in the fridge? Yeah. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Thanks for coming over, man. <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> Woo! And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Pete is a really good dude. He's a great talker. Motherfucker talks a lot, but it's good. You know, it's kept the conversation rolling and interesting out of blast. I think he had fun, too. We both had fun. Good guy. Be sure to uh, check out his band. The link will be in the description. Be sure, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, to go to that show. A lot of good talent on that show, as I had mentioned. Uh, Northern Gold is playing, and they've been on the show. And uh, I know some of the other people that are playing the event. So, yeah, I'll be there, probably. Check it out. Uh, But anyways, I'll be back next week with another episode, hopefully. Same time, same place, same channel. I am Sykes. Start the beat. I just dropped my headphones. 2015. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.